Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. Glad you guys made it here this morning. I was kind of worried at 1030 there was two people in here. It's kind of the after Easter lull, right? I mean, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, I know how people are like, oh, man, it was a lot of work getting dressed and stuff, you know, to make it here for Easter, especially getting kids together. Um, but for me, it's one of these things where what do you talk about after Easter? I mean, you kind of come out and say, here it is. Here's the gauntlet, right? This is about, you know, the crux of the matter. Uh, you know, even though it's not the cross, it's the resurrection, which is, again, kind of connected to the heart of our faith and this life that God's, you know, instilling in humanity and what do you talk about after that? You know, okay, well, now let's talk about Monday. You know, I mean, it's kind of one of those things, but it's something that I think we have to recognize that life moves forward. And we have to continue in that vein. We have to grow continually. And so I'm going to be talking about freedom this morning. I'm going to talk to you about superstition buying a minivan, military coining ceremonies, and conversations in a supermarket. But let's pause and let's pray before we get started. God, we are grateful to be here. And even though, Lord, last week we celebrated your resurrection and there were a lot more of us here on that day, Lord, We are here on this Sunday continuing to live the life you are calling us into. And Lord, it is a life of freedom. And yet in this life and even with the freedom, we go through struggles and we go through difficulties. I pray for my mom who is not feeling well, Lord, and I don't know if it's the medication or if it's something more, Father, that it's taking place. And we pray that she gets better, she's stronger, and again, that this medication and these infusions stop the growth of cancer. But Lord, we are grateful for your freedom. We are grateful for this time that we have, and I pray you'd give me clarity in my words, Lord, and that we would be encouraged by your spirit to live a life of freedom. And we do ask this in Jesus' name, amen. This past week, uh, my grandson was in town. Uh, He's only eight months old. It's not like he drove somewhere. He was just in Pasadena, 
And, and so whenever he's nearby, we kind of make it a point to try and, and go see him, right? And, I mean, we want to see my son and daughter-in-law too, but, you know, it's all about the grandson. Um, and, and so we went there because uh, they were getting their hair done at my niece's uh, shop in Pasadena. And so we took my mom there and we all kind of had lunch. And while we were there, my mom gave me this ring. This ring used to be my grandfather's and I don't really remember it, but it's kind of funny because I put it on and it actually fit. And it's funny because I remember him being a frail old man and, <laughs> and it fits me. Um, but as I was thinking about my grandfather, you know, he, he was a, a very interesting man. He was a communist and a proclaimed atheist, and he and I used to have some great conversations, wonderful conversations. And there was one time where he really caught me off guard where he said that this bird was showing up in his yard that he felt it was the spirit of a past family member. And I was like, say what? Right? I'm like, what? here's a person who, who doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in anything, but you believe in the spirit of a bird. And it was some Italian tradition about this bird and how it shows up. And it just struck me as peculiar that a person who won't believe in so many things, this one thing comes up and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, it's the bird of Uncle Albert or whatever it is. You know, that's the Paul McCartney song, I think, or whatever. And it's funny how superstitions are, right? We have so many of them. You break a mirror glass, it's seven years, bad luck, right? And I even looked up some because there were some, it's like, man, I never knew about all these, right? Uh, like, if you die in your dreams, you will die in real life, right? That's a superstition. I don't know. Has anyone died in their dream? Apparently not, right? You're here. <laughs> Make a wish when you blow out the birthday candles, Right? Why? Because it'll come true, right? These kinds of things that people think. There was one that says if you drop your wedding ring, that it's going to be bad luck for your marriage. Explains it, right? <laughs> if I would have known, right? If I, I only would have known these things. Um, all right, bad luck comes in three. There's Friday the 13th. Make a wish on 11-11 and it will come true. Find a penny, pick it up, all the day you will have good luck. No, you'll have a penny, which is worth not quite a penny. But there's so many superstitions that we hold on to, right? Four-leaf clovers bring good luck. 666 is not just a number, right? Uh, a crucifix can ward off evil, right? Now, some of these are going into a religious theme. And a lot of times what happens is the thing about superstitions is they keep us enslaved to a belief that controls our actions, right? It was part of the whole reformation that was if you would give money for indulgences, they could pray your loved ones out of purgatory, 
right? And so you get locked into a mindset that holds on to this and you think, oh, to get this done, I need to do this. And pretty soon you're enslaved to these things that you're thinking, whether it's a bird in the backyard, indulgences, or, you know, I, I, oh, the reason this happened to me is because I didn't, you know, uh, read the Bible this morning. And so you have these things all the way from just maybe what seems silly to what seems religious and maybe even striking closer to home. And they're very similar to addictions, right? An addiction is when your body starts telling your mind what to do. Your body craves something and so it interrupts maybe common sense and says, well, You should steal this so that you can go buy that. Or you should lie about this so that you can get more of this. And all of a sudden, your cravings, your enslavement starts to actually rule your life. And it starts taking precedent over these things. These false beliefs or hopes can enslave us to a mindset that holds us and keeps us from being free. In John chapter 8, verses 34 through 36, Jesus said to them, I am telling you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave does not belong to a family permanently, but a son belongs there forever. If the son sets you free then you will be really free. Now, Jesus is talking and having a dialogue with the Pharisees at this time, and they are plotting to kill him. And as he starts talking about being a child of God, they say, well, we have Abraham as our father. We know where we come from. And they were saying because of their heritage, it gave them a right And Jesus is confronting this and he's saying, you know, you say that you belong to God, but you're plotting to kill me. And so this idea of you're a slave to sin is you're still living in an entanglement to a belief system that is holding on to what you want more than what God wants. And you're not really a child. You're still enslaved to this way of thinking. But when the sun sets you free, then you're really free. And he connects the idea of freedom to that of belonging to a family, which would make a whole lot of sense back then because slavery was so prominent The idea of being a part of a family that is free was something that they would hold on to. And in their minds, it was Abraham and Jesus is saying, no, God has a family that is really free. And he's pushing them into this place. You see, we can be enslaved to our superstitions. We can be enslaved to our addictions. We can be enslaved to beliefs that hold us back from all the things that God wants for us. And to be set free, we must see things differently. And we must respond to life in a way 
that is similar to Christ. When he says that the Son sets you free, then you're free indeed. Then he's telling us that there is a relationship we are to have with Christ that is where freedom is found. And so turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 26. Paul is writing and he says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, looking at this passage, you might not see that this is really talking about freedom, but it really is. It's at the heart of what's going on. He's trying to help us live a way that is moving us towards freedom. And just like your body should never tell or have mastery over your mind, the same thing is true. Your emotions should never have mastery over your will. And so he starts listing out some things here that are supposed to help us break free from some of these things, freeing our mind. You see, freedom comes from the inside out. And just like these other things that enslave us, anger is something else that can hold us. Just like a superstition, just just like a belief that is wrong, that you don't get past it because that's what you're holding on to. The same thing is true in anger, but anger starts from the inside. You see, it's not a person that makes you angry or a circumstance that makes you angry. That person or that circumstance just takes back the curtain of what's happening inside you, right? When that person cuts you off, there was anger there and it just opened the door. And you're seeing what's really going on inside. Just like power doesn't corrupt, it reveals anger is doing the same thing. It's just showing up in situations when you have that outburst. The person or circumstance that makes you angry is now deciding how you are going to respond. Now, think about this. This is kind of a crazy thing that you actually give up control to whatever that is, right? The person who cuts you off. You give your self-control over to that person 
and say, you can now have control of how I'm going to act, and I'm going to go crazy, right? I'm going to say words. I'm going to honk my horn. I'm going to stare at you or point to you. You give control to that person, that circumstance, over your own self-control when you give in to anger that's uncontrolled. Now, whenever you talk about people being angry, they say, well, Jesus was angry, so it's okay to be angry. Well, why was Jesus angry? Well, it was because there was hypocrisy, because people were not allowing those who were in need to get all that they would. Is our anger the same? Right? Most of the time it's not. When I'm angry, usually it's because I don't like the way I'm getting treated. I'm not worried about injustice. Right? It's okay to be angry about injustice. It's okay to be moved by those things. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about anger that's just an outburst of emotion at a circumstance that's out of your control. And what you're doing is giving control to the circumstance over you. And he's saying, don't be angry. Don't allow this anger to cause you to sin. And he's trying to help us to understand how we are to deal with it. And then he tells us, don't let the sun go down on your anger which doesn't give you a lot of time, right? I mean, really, it's only like 12 hours because it's not 24 hours. And what do you do when your wife says something that upsets you at 9 o'clock at night? You only got a few minutes, right, before you can deal with this. And you got to kind of try and... And you see, what Jesus is trying to do is be proactive in resolving things because what happens is if we don't resolve anger, it starts to repeat itself in our minds. And what happens is you start playing the recorder over and over, and pretty soon the story you start telling yourself becomes bigger than the story that actually happened. Anybody here with me on that? Anyone have a conversation or an argument with someone, and pretty soon you're talking to that person, and who knows how it got to where it is now, but I was telling you that I thought you should take the trash out, and in my mind, the story I'm having with myself is, you don't think I'm taking care of the house the way I should, and it's because I haven't painted the living room yet, even though you asked me to three months ago, right? And it has nothing to do with any of those things, but I'm having the conversation. You see, if I don't resolve it, pretty soon the memories or the conversations become like memories and they hold on so we can't even decide if something is real or just how we thought about it. Which is a scary thing to think that I might be remembering things that didn't actually happen. I'm just remembering how I rehearsed it in my mind. And so he says, you got to let it go. When you're angry, resolve it. Otherwise, it starts to become you. And so we need to set our minds free from this anger that's holding on to us, this kind of superstition. And then in verse 28, he says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. I love this, right? You think your church has problems? (laughs) The first century's church. Hey, you guys, stop stealing, All right, and get to work. 
Now, I don't know what your situations are here, but if you're stealing, do it no longer, right? And the whole idea here is get to work so that when you do something useful, you will then have something to share with others in need. That your resources become opportunity for others. I'll never forget when we had to buy a minivan. I say that because does anyone just want to buy a minivan? I don't know. You know, usually that's not like, hey, yeah, Camaro minivan. Yeah. (laughs) It's a choice you make, and usually it's because of family, right? When we had three children, they could all fit in the back seat of our Honda Accord, but they weren't happy, especially the one who was in the middle, who was getting plowed by the other two, right? They're getting clawed at. And so the decision was made, we are going to be a minivan family because Corrine was pregnant. We were going to have four kids. There's no way they're going to fit. What are we going to do? We'll have a minivan. We can separate these two in this seat, separate these two in this seat, and we'll be able to walk back there and let them know, don't do that, right? It was a choice that was made not because, oh boy, we've got some money and we can buy a new car, let's get a minivan. It was because we need to do this for our family. You see, the idea of working isn't just so that you can pay your bills. The idea is, hey, you are now able to help others. I will not forget the times that we received letters in the mail that had gifts in it at a time when we needed it the most. And the times where people were generous to us and helped us move forward. The times where my mom or Corrine's parents were generous to us and helped us move forward. Corrine's grandmother helped us buy that minivan. You don't forget those things. Why? Because it's helping you to actually advance your life. And you see, the whole concept here is don't steal, which is taking, but work so that you can give. Change the direction of your life. You need to free your creativity so that now you can be a productive member of what God is doing in the world. Because if it's just about being comfortable, if it's just about, well, I don't want to work because it's hard, then your mindset is inward and Christ is wanting to set us free from that so that we can actually produce, create, and provide. And there's so many ways that we can work. There are so many things that we can do. This isn't just a financial thing. You can create an atmosphere. You can invite people to your home and have an evening of playing games, watching TV, whatever it is. You can create so many things that gives to others. And so he's really talking about being creative and how you get things so that you can then give. I think we minimize and cheapen the idea of giving 
when we make it just about money. Of course, it is inclusive with that, but it's so much more. Generosity is more than just financial. It really has to do with time. One of the things we've been talking about in our midweek as we're talking about missional living is time. How we give of ourselves to others is really where the crux of the matter is. And that's one of the things that we have to deal with and move forward. In verse 29, he says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I wonder how things would change if we never said anything unwholesome. I wonder how our community would change if we only said things that built each other up. Years ago when we were doing the Men's Highlander, there was one event where they did a ceremony that was called coining. In the military, they would hand out coins and it was to commemorate, uh, just take pride in the things you're doing, to acknowledge a person who's done something exceptional. They would get a coin from one of their commanders, acknowledging their valor, acknowledging their you know, work in some area. And so they would give that and it was their kind of saying, hey, you've done a good job. Here's something to commemorate what you've done, this idea of coining. And so at the beginning of the event, the leaders there went and coined all the people who were overseeing the group. And then the group went coining all the people who were there a part of it. And I I remember one of the guys who was there with us was weeping, right? All these men here, and there was a, a guy, he was just weeping. And I was just like, what's going on? He goes, I've never had anyone say thank you for the things I did at church. It was always just assumed this is what you're supposed to do. And I just was touched by this so much that it moved him to tears. And then I was able to give one of my sons a coin there and we had ourselves a moment as I just pulled him aside and I told him how proud I was through the things that he struggled and how I saw So much potential in him. And he cried and I cried and we hugged. You see, these words have the ability to lift us up, to lift our spirits up or to tear us down. And and he tells us, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Gossip. Man, it's so easy to talk about people. And we can do it in such spiritual ways, well, we really need to pray for so-and-so. Oh, really? Why? (laughs) Well, you see, what if social media was the opportunity to spread as much good as we could? We'd go out of business, right? No one would go on it anymore. I got to see the dirt. What's going on? Everyone's throwing stuff. What if the news talked about the good? What if if there was a celebrity and instead of the wrong that they did, look at here's the, you know, the actor and look at, I know he's good looking and wealthy, but look at, he's also caring for these older people at a home. 
What if we spread good instead of gossip? What if we changed how we do things? We don't get defined by our best moments. We seem to get defined by the worst. What if we started defining people by the best in them instead of, oh, yeah, but I think they drink too much. Oh, you know what, but they have a problem with this. Oh, what if we just said, you know what, they are the kindest person. And I love when I hear those things, right? When someone says, oh, there's this person at your church, and I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They are so nice. You're just kind of like, yes. You want to be defined by those kinds of things. You know, we should ask, should we talk about this? And the, reason, the way we could decide whether we should or not is, is it going to build up? Is it going to benefit the person who listens? If it doesn't benefit them, then should we talk about it at all? It doesn't matter if it's true. It matters if it benefits. There's a lot of things that are true that I don't need to talk about. Is it going to benefit the hearer? Or is it going to feed something? See, if it's not going to benefit, then it should dead end with me. They should talk to me and I could say, no, I don't, I don't need to hear about that. But so many times I just want to listen. I, I feel better about myself when I see how bad others are. And it's really not doing me any good. And it's not doing us any good. And so we need to free our words from being poisoned and allow them to be healthy. He goes on in verse 31 and he says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger brawling and slander along with every form of mouth. I love the first century church brawling. You guys stop fighting. Okay. Stop stealing and stop fighting. We'll be okay. Right. I mean, what was going on that they were brawling? Right. I mean, this is reality there. I I love the context here because we are so far removed from it. Sometimes we don't realize what they were dealing with. We have this image of the first century church in robes and halos and they're brawling, right? They're just sitting there going at it with each other. And, And I think it's interesting the things that we feel are acceptable and tolerate, right? Oh yeah, these things are okay, but oh, here he mentions slander, right? Get rid of bitterness, get rid of anger, the brawling, the slander, and all forms of malice. These are things that have to do really with freeing our heart. Because anger, again, is one of these things that takes us captive. Bitterness is something that slowly starts to poison us. This unforgiveness, this not willing to let things go because you want this justice and you want to feel vindicated. And it's hard. 
I remember one time I was at Vaughn's and I was shopping because what else would I be there for? I can't, you know, I don't know what I was shopping for, but I was at Vaughn's and I remember I had a, a shopping cart, so it was serious, right? I wasn't just in and out. I had a shopping cart, so I had to get like few things, whatever those things were. And I was going through the aisle and I saw someone who I hadn't seen for a while went to a church that I was at. And I said, hey, how's it going? I was happy to see them. And I remembered them and I remembered their name. So I was proud of myself. You know, I remember you and I was talking to them. And they're, so how's it going? I, oh, it's good. And all of a sudden the tone was just very, was, I was like pretty, felt good like seeing you. I was happy and I was feeling this kind of distant. And then I remember him saying, you know, we're watching you. And I was like, thank you. And I remember just being taken back and all these emotions that I had thought I dealt with started coming up. And I remember thinking things and thinking, don't say those things. (laughs) And then I remember leaving and it just staying with me and it bothering me so much. And then the reality of how deep the bitterness was there in me started to become evident. And the recognition that a lot more healing needs to take place in me. And and that's why he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. See, I have to move from the place of bitterness to the place of forgiveness, and I have to free my heart from these things. Because otherwise they will taint who I am. I remember talking to my, one of my granddaughters who had an experience at school where she was very upset with these things, and she said something to the fact of, well, it's okay. I'm not going to let anyone hurt me again. And it just hurt to hear that because what happens is when we say, I'm not going to let anyone hurt me again, and we put up that wall, we also don't let anyone love us again. We also don't let compassion come out of us. We put up the wall and it stops life from happening. You see, we have to free our hearts. Otherwise, we are enslaved to the hurt. We are enslaved to the bitterness. We are enslaved to the anger. We are enslaved to these things that start to poison us. And we have to be set free from these things. If you want to live a life of freedom, you can't hold on to bitterness, rage, anger, slander, malice, unforgiveness. And when you show kindness or compassion, your spirit is filled and you are set free. So when someone comes up to you and says, we've been watching you and you say, hey, man, it's good to see you. I hope you and your family are doing well. It can set you free just by speaking something else other than letting the story build in your head. You actually can turn the valve off that's wanting to throw junk in 
and open up the valve that's wanting to send life out. And it's not easy. It's a difficult thing, but you're freed when you do it. And it's interesting because in verse 30, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, right? And the word grieve means to feel great sorrow. And it's such a strange idea that the Spirit of God can feel great sorrow. I'm not sure all of what that means, but it's a powerful image. When God is wanting to set us free and we're holding on to this bondage that God's spirit fills great sorrow. And I do understand that. I understand what it's like to see my granddaughter set a roadblock and want to be in bondage because she doesn't want to get hurt. I feel great sorrow. When I see my kids go through something that starts to hurt them or they start to show bitterness or they start to go down this place of anger and holding on to these things or maybe even a belief system that's got them locked, I feel great sorrow because as part of my family, what I want for them is to be free from that junk. I want them to be free to have a relationship that is honest with God wherever they are at because we're all dealing with junk. They were stealing and brawling. Welcome to Genesis. You're stealing, you're brawling. Hey, no problem. You can come here and you can be open to God who is going to have a conversation with you because the son is going to set you free. That's part of what he does when you're family. These words of the son setting us free or knowing the truth and being set free need to become a reality to us. And some of us, maybe it's because of a religious tradition we've grown up in, feel constrained that we are never good enough. We feel like there is always something wrong with me and and you've got a voice going on in your head condemning you, putting you down and the words are not building you up. Well, I want you to hear the words now that God loves you and wants to set you free from that, that it's like a tradition or a, a superstition that you hold on to. You know, I believe I broke that mirror and so seven years of bad luck, you know, oh no, and I'm still stepping over the crack because I don't want to break my mother's back. I don't know how that one got together, right? It's like I've got all these things and I'm carrying all this stuff on me all this bondage that's holding me down and Jesus is wanting to set us free. If you're a family member, you don't have to deal with that. You're a child forever. And so change the conversation. Shame has no part in this vocabulary. Forgiveness is reigning. Oh, you might feel guilty about things that you did. That's different from shame. I feel guilty about a lot of things. But I'm not going to be shamed by that. I have a different conversation going on. 
And we need to be set free. And maybe you've believed a superstition that if you went to church or you prayed before meals or, or said in Jesus' name that you would be free. But freedom is only obtained when we live in relationship with the one who sets us free. You see, you don't earn it by doing these things. You live it by being in communion with him. Freedom begins on the inside. We need to free our mind. Don't let anger dominate us. Don't let it control how we respond, how we react. We need to free our productivity, our creativity, produce what benefits for those around us. Stop being a person who takes. Become a person who gives. Free your words. Build people up. Stop gossiping and talking bad about people, even the people who did you wrong. Instead, build them up. When you hate who you are, you hate who others are. People who hurt, hurt people. When you are talking bad, it's usually because you feel bad. And God is wanting to set you free from that. And last, free your heart from bitterness, anger, malice. We want to hold others accountable for what they've done to us, but God is wanting to forgive just like he forgave you. And it's funny how I want forgiveness, but I don't like to give it. Because if you knew, God does. And he still forgives. See, that's the whole problem with scripture is God is more generous than us. God is more loving than us. Paul's argument in Romans about if the clay was to do this and people think, well, God can send people to hell. That's not the argument. God is sending people to become his family who you think have no right to be there. They're stealing, they're brawling, they're doing all kinds of stuff and God's saying, yeah, come on in. Go out to the streets, find everybody who's there and bring them on in to the wedding. It's like, whoa, 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 not them. Not until they act like us. And we have to think how this is transforming how we interact with people. I'm going to close in Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. I'm going to read this from the message translation. This is because of Jesus, right? Thus we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out, Papa, Father. Doesn't the privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave, but a child? And if you are a child, you're also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. Doesn't the intimate conversation tell you that you're the child? He is speaking to you, telling you and revealing himself to you that 
you can cry out, Father, Dad, doesn't that tell you something? You don't need to join the church. You don't need to have perfect attendance or say a prayer 10 times if you mess up. You don't need to respond to orders given. What we need to do is respond to the spirits of voice in us and allow the sun to set us free because then we are free indeed. Let's pray. Father, for some reason, I keep wanting to go back into a prison cell. When you're wanting to free my mind from preconceived ideas, from anger, and the things that start to control how I respond. You're you're wanting me to free my words, God. To build up instead of tear down. To, To free my creativity. To be a person who gives rather than takes. And to free my heart. And not live a life of wounded misery. But to live a life of health and relationship in this new family. And Lord, I, I pray for those who are here this morning who, who maybe needed to hear some part of this. Maybe they are in one of these conversations and they are struggling with freedom in one of these areas. And I, I pray, Lord, that you would set them free, that the intimate conversation you would have within them would let them know that you are speaking and at work in their life And what is needed is to respond. What is needed is to allow you to do the life-giving work within us by your spirit. Lord, it is work that we can't do ourselves, and I don't know how you do it, but I'm so thankful you do. I'm so thankful that you can take a bitterness and bring healing that you can take shame and bring forgiveness and joy, that you can take the things that would tear us down and allow them to be steps that we can climb our way back up. And, And I pray you would do that for each of us. And God, that we would be a community that would move from these places of anger of stealing, of brawling, of talking down to be a people who are compassionate and giving and building up. Lord, we need this for ourselves and we need to give that to those around us. Show us how. Show us how. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May the sun set you free. May he free your minds from the things that have controlled you. May he free your life to be productive and generous. May he free your words to uplift and strengthen. And may he free your heart from anything 
stop the love of God from entering and exiting your life. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.